0: Ayo, hey we bout to tear it up! and Break and Wait for break, break for break, get down! <laughs> this right here is how we do it! Break it down!
1: It's the Breaking Actions Podcast, where we break things down to the very last compound. My name is Summit, aka Potty Mouth of the South. And my name is Chris
0: Mitchell, aka the chairman of the Say It With Your Entire Chest Association.
1: Wow, there's an association yeah, there right has now. to be. There say It to With be. Your Chest Association? You've got to say it with What's your chest. What's the acronym now? I don't know. I haven't thought of it. Okay.
0: But you've got to say it with your chest, and I think that uh, AKA ties in thematically... With what we're going to talk about today
1: Yes, it's all about say, saying everything with your chest Yes uh, So for today's episode, we have a very special guest
0: Very special Very. It's a world exclusive World exclusive First world time exclusive. on a podcast I, I feel like DJ Clue Do remember, <laughs> do remember Is that how DJ Clue sounded?
1: Yeah, I guess so Desert Storm
0: Yeah.
1: My impression was trash. Yes, it was trash. That's fine. But today we have a very special guest. Um, We have a public speaking expert. Julia Haythorn uh, joins us on the podcast. Julia, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you. Great to be here.
1: So this is your first time on uh, a podcast. Yes, it is. But you've been on radio and talk like kind of audio before. This is just... Exactly. Yeah, I've done interviews and and radio pieces, all that sort of thing. You've done all that sort of thing. Okay, cool. Um, We'll just dive in. Tell us a bit about how you got started, your history um, from through from acting all the way through to your current profession.
2: Right. Well, as you said, my background originally is a professional actress. So that meant I went to drama school. And then after that, I worked mainly in the theatre, but some bits of film and TV and, and then I sort of entered into the world of murder mysteries. So murder mystery events, team building, corporate world. And it was really while I was in that world that I started to mix with business people. So people who... St- I noticed seemed to find it really difficult to stand up and speak in front of their colleagues so usually it was the end of the evening a murder had occurred they had to say who the murderer was and then it would just be chaos nobody wanted to speak you couldn't hear them they were obviously really embarrassed anyway I started to think I wonder if these people would benefit from some of the stuff that I was taught at drama school and, and whether they would pay for that expertise and it turns out that they would and so so I trained as a voice teacher and started to you know, develop my whole repertoire around voice, body language and everything around being a more uh, efficient communicator.
1: I'm fascinated with the way one can use their voice. Mm. But before we get into kind of public speaking, how you got into that even further and, and delving in, We've got to talk about murder mysteries. Sorry, um, always. So, I still can't get my head around why there's so many murders in Midsummer. Uh, I love that I, show. Yes, I love, love, that show. I love. I love. I mean, this goes back. Harkens back to my unemployed days. I love Diagnosis Murder. Um, who doesn't? Um, and then also, I'm. I'm really into Death in Paradise at the moment. Isn't it murdering? Is that the one? No, that's in the de- ca- Death in Paradise. Death in Paradise. Yeah. BBC. Set in the
0: Caribbean. Correct. Yeah, my mum loves that show. Yes. Um, Danny, Danny John Jules. He's in the show. From Red Dwarf? Yeah, he's my friend's yeah. cousin.
1: No. Yeah. We must talk about that. <laughs> absolutely. So, so, Murder Mysteries is something that you...
0: Well, absolutely. I'm, I'm,
2: actually, if you like Murder Mysteries, you should come and see me in a Murder Mystery play in April because I'm going to be performing in something called Murder on Q and it's set um, in a retirement home for actors okay, and so there's a murder so that's all by the by but make sure you
0: give us the details so yeah, we can promote do. it on the next yeah, show yeah that would be Absolutely.
2: brilliant um, but the, the murder mysteries I did weren't plays they were they were like team building events yeah so you know everyone has a character you have a couple of actors one of the actors dies and then comes back as the
1: inspector to solve it all this is a de- different hat I'm, I'm I'm sold. like I love a good murder mystery I feel <laughs> Like I should have been a detective. Oh, like, now, now, don't well, like, wrong. I watch Luther, and I, I haven't oh, seen the newest true. season, but it does scare me a little bit. So, if there's any scare, because I have a nervous disposition, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. A bit of yeah. a bit of suspense music, I can't do it. Right? Oh. I have to watch Stranger Things in the afternoon. I can't <laughs> do it at yeah. night time.
2: I, d- I don't think you're gonna like Luther. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Luther is different. Well, I've I've watched Scary. all the way up to season five, so I have to start the, the latest season. Mm. At the, I think at the, that is season eight. five. Yeah, so I've done. Season four, two, okay. three. It's three—it's—it's good, but there were times where I got scared. So if any of your murder mysteries <laughs> have a bit of scary music, no. I'm out. No, no. It's not too bad. <laughs> but I do. I don't know what it is. I have a fascination with this murder mystery type shows. We need to be careful of you. Well, I'll tell you what was good about them.
2: From my point of view, is it it really brought out people who wouldn't normally be in any way theatrical or even not particularly extrovert? You know, they'd say to us, "Oh, you know, this group—they're all really quiet. They're really introverted." By the end of a murder mystery event, they'd be swinging from Charm chandeliers. <laughs> so there is a lot to be said for that. You know,
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, introverts like if once they're comfortable and and hmm. they. You know, they everyone has their own personality. Yeah. introverts, but when introverts feel comfortable, their personality shines through just as much as an extrovert at times. Um, but speaking of helping people, um, kind of find their voice, mm. how do you almost prepare, or how do you coach people for public speaking and presentations? What, what what's the kind of process you go through?
2: It, to an extent, it depends what they re- what they need. So it's different for different people, but there are certain things that are important. The first thing really is to be properly prepared. So a lot of people, they get very nervous when they're public speaking, whether it's doing a presentation at work or or a speech at a wedding, Mm -hmm. for example, they could get very nervous about that. And what, what happens then is because they're nervous, they then don't really want to think about it. So they leave it to the last minute and they just don't prepare properly. And of course, coming from a background as a performer and as an actor, I wouldn't dream of going in front of an audience without having said the words at least once first and probably many more times. So what I try and encourage people to do is to rehearse. You have to rehearse, even on your own, stand up in your living room and then people say, oh, I feel really stupid. Well, you won't feel as stupid <laughs> if you leave it till you're standing in front of 100 people. So, so you know, that's that rehearsal part. So I would really encourage them to do that. And then I would give them some of the tips and techniques that actors do, which is to warm up. So just like if you're going to go for a run, you would stretch a few muscles, first of all, if you're going to be speaking in front of a lot of people, or even on a podcast or a radio program, it's really advisable to make sure your voice is warmed up, Mm. particularly if it's early in the morning, um, or if you're tired, or if you're recovering from a cold, all those things. So I always do exercises with people. So some breathing, some humming, and a few tongue twisters, and just to get them ready. And Actors are really used to that. So actors would always do that before they go on stage or before an audition. But what I've discovered is that people who aren't actors actually really like it as well because it, it helps to settle their nerves because they've got a little routine that then they do every time. So that's, that's a really important part of, of being a good public speaker is making sure you're warmed up and ready.
0: So considering all these tips that you've just given us, who are some of your favourite public speakers? And why do you like them and why do you engage with them so much?
2: Well, there's so many uh, people um, let's, let's look that, at your, that are speaking. Maybe
0: your, your top three, if there is Okay. top three in that order.
2: Well, l- let's look at the people who we see a lot, like politicians. Now, obviously, sometimes there's some politicians that we maybe like them because of their politics, not so much of what they say. But some of the people that I have really admire, I would name both of the Obamas, so Michelle mm, yeah. and Barack. 100%. And, and it's really great. You know to have because then you 've got a man and a woman who are both in very different styles but have a real ease in front of an audience um, What I love about them is they make an audience feel comfortable because they 're comfortable in their own skins, but they also really um, have that inspirational quality, so what they say is interesting it 's engaging, and they do everything right in in that from that point of view so yeah, I, I I really like them. I don't really have anyone particularly to offer from the UK political uh, section, <laughs> so let's let's pass on from that. But you know, some of the if you enjoy watching TED talks, which I know a lot of people do, I think that's a great place to see some really interesting speakers who you might not necessarily have come across. Um, so there's this really great guy who I, who I think is one of the number. I think he's number one still. Who is um, Ken Robinson? He's a he's an educationalist. Uh, a former teacher, and he has this great TED Talk on creativity. I really recommend it. Okay. He's, Ken he, Robinson, yeah, creativity. He uses, he uses, he uses um, humour, tells great stories, which is a big part of being a very good public speaker. And, and he just does it in a really easy, friendly, very, very nice way. So I enjoy him as well.
1: OK, sounds good. Um, I'm going to see Ian McKellen next month. Mm. Magneto? Gandalf, Shakespearean... God, I guess. I only know him from um, X-Men, I'm sorry. Is so that in
2: Stratford, are you going to? No,
1: uh, it's. I'm actually going to one in Kent, so it's okay. local to me. In the Upside Down. In the Upside Down world, exactly. Mm. Um, but again, that kind of generation or... Or actors from that school yeah. also are just great at public of, speaking of, of and course. how they carry themselves. So some of our friends have seen him seen that show already, and they have talked about how incredible it is where he just switches from being Gandalf right through yeah. to when he's doing kind of Macbeth or King Lear, mm. and that in itself is is an art to have oh, that kind yes. of variety. So
2: and and Judi Dench is the actress that that most people will name as as their as their favourite actor when when you ask you know they'll say judy dench but for a similar reason because she has that real flexibility and she can do all those different kind of voices Um, obviously you know like you say the the older generation there's also loads of really amazing um actors as well but that doesn't mean sort of that just because they're actors that they're good at public speaking for actually that's also true because a lot of actors are quite shy and so That's why Ian McKellen's good, because he can do the talking to an audience as well. So you're going to really enjoy that show.
1: Yeah, I I can't wait. You're lucky. I'd love to go. It's, (laughs) yeah, it's incredible. But it's one of the things that I've kind of uh, followed Ian McKellen throughout his career, not just on stage, Mm. but just generally through Lord of the Rings and obviously it's Magneto, but he's done so much. But it's, um, one, it's for, he's doing it to raise money for local uh, theatres. So at the end of the show, he will go into the lobby and actually collect money himself himself Mm. that's awesome so that's it's excellent that he he does it because he's trying to encourage more people to get into the arts he's also trying to help theatres raise money which is again very important for public speaking for people's confidence for them to express themselves so yeah i I can't i can't wait kind of to to go for that but even chris we're thinking as rap fans you can think about the there are rappers who are great yep Mm. but not very good public speakers Yes and vice versa
0: absolutely, so I mean, in terms of great public speakers, you know who's you know who's really good? yeah, in terms of being a public speaker, and Julie, you may not know of this mm-hmm. gentleman, Faron Munch yeah, Pharaoh Munch is awesome. um who else have I seen Guru? God bless him, We'll mention mm-hmm. him a bit later, yeah, but I think the best music artists are the ones that can tell stories mm. in between the songs yeah. and kind of make it applicable. Yeah. For their audience So that I, th- I think that ties into Knowing your audience too Absolutely Because I've- the Jazz Cafe audience Is going to be very different From the O2 audience
1: For sure And I think like In, in terms of What they represent people Like Akala Low Key mm-hmm. Technique mm-hmm. Ninth Wonder Yes sir All very good Musicians and artists But also very good At public speaking Able to articulate themselves In any kind of forum So that's very good Um Let's talk more about Schools, colleges mm. um, And other groups uh what role do you think they play in helping to develop public speaking skills especially among young people
2: mm, a huge role and it's yeah it's, it's something that i think about a lot because so often when i i'm working with business people of all ages and a lot of them, if they have an issue around it, a real anxiety issue, it usually goes back to something terrible that happened at school or just a really bad experience where they felt they'd been humiliated or something had happened and gone wrong. So I'm very aware of that, that sometimes having to unpick some bad advice that they, that they may have been given. That's more perhaps older people that I but I see. Uh, around young people, So the thing that I really notice is this real lack of confidence and... Um, a nerves, sort of anxiety about getting it wrong and and that's that's you know a real shame and 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 it just it just sort of stops people then putting themselves forward because if you feel really nervous about public speaking, you'll let someone else do it so and and I feel really passionately about this because it means that someone who's just got the gift of the gab which some people do but doesn't necessarily mean that they've got the goods to back it up they're just good at talking and that it is a skill but it's not everything and yet you've got some other people who've got really important things to say and they just don't have the confidence, and maybe it's because they just don't have the skills, they don't have the techniques, and that's just something that you can learn. You can, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why it's so important in schools and in colleges to really encourage even those ones that don't want to do it, just to give them the opportunity, without traumatising them, um, to to stand up in front of people and speak, because the more you do it, the the easier it gets, inevitably. But it's also easy just to duck down and miss out, because you don't like it and so you avoid it.
0: You avoid it, yeah. So considering all these different platforms that we have now, um, we, we've got Twitter, mm. we've got Facebook. What else have we got? Submit. We've got LinkedIn, Snapchat, all these kind of platforms. Pinterest. Yep. Um, we can go through the list. So we've got all these different outlets where we can mm. express ourselves um, in short form and very, uh, in very frequently and very quickly. And oftentimes detail is missing. Mm. How do you think that this evolving technology has impacted our skill in terms of speaking in public?
2: Well, I think in some ways, it's it's been a positive thing, because people are making videos, a lot of video content, and audio content like we're doing now, but particularly short videos, and and then watching themselves back, because that's something else that's really important. By watching yourself on video, which is what I do with my clients. You know, I film them and allow them to see themselves as others see them, which is what I say to them. And that is the gift, you know, to be able to know how you're coming across. And so a lot of people are doing that themselves. So they feel themselves, they watch it back and they think, oh, that looks a bit rubbish because, you know, I'm, I'm scrunching up my face and my shoulder's all crooked or, you know, or I'm saying, do you know what I mean? Every sentence, whatever it is, they discover that by reviewing. And you, you may, I don't know if you guys have had that experience yourself yep. when listening back, you might have detected a, a few habits, yep. vocal Every habits. Every
0: episode I listen back yeah. and I'm like, why did I say this? <laughs>
2: Yeah, for you sure. idiot. Yeah. Every episode. And so you get better. So every time... That's debatable. But yes, I... That I, is debatable. <laughs> I'm convinced you get better. Because, because you learn to avoid things that don't work so well and, and to include things that do. And so I think that's what people are, are doing. So they're, they're just becoming more self-aware about what works and what doesn't on, on, on audio and, and video. So I think some, in some ways it might improve things. I think it has.
0: Okay, cause the reason why I say that is because um, I sometimes look at the online personalities, let's call them that And those people who are very well spoken, quite brash and loud and very open with their views Yeah, Online And yeah. then when you see them speak, or you go to hear them speak rather You're just like, I'm really disappointed sometimes I'm like, you're not, it's not the same
2: So was it good when you saw them on the film? Yeah, it was alright
0: I'll t- I tell you what, I can say names Um, Name the names The Mayor of Brent Oh God! Okay, he's not a very good public speaker. Um, Wasn't clear. It (laughs) wasn't concise. Mm. Um, People were bored. I don't think he knew his audience as well. But his his chain, that thing he wore, Mm. was pretty cool. Um, And I just remember being really disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is the mayor of Brent, and I'm very territorial about where I'm from. (laughs) I was so upset. Right? I'm just like, one day I got one day I've got to be the mayor.
2: Yeah. and put some salt in it do a better, better job he, than that he was
0: awful he was and awful. actually that's he might need some he might need some assistance from someone he needed some like assistance for
2: everything you've described though he didn't know his audience he didn't know his audience and that's really
0: important and, 200 West Indians and,
2: right yeah and so he should have thought about what's going to be interesting and important for them mm-hmm. because whenever we're having any kind of public speaking experience with people we're trying to move them from one place to another, mm. whether, whether it's to persuade them of something, to entertain them, to sell them something, whatever it might be. And if we're not moving them, then why are we standing there speaking? And, you know, I see a lot of presentations, and I'm sure you do as well, that then, then there's no purpose to them. They're just standing up and making noise. And that's what's happening quite a lot in those situations. I bet he was told, you've got to speak to this group of 200 West Indians for, for 20 minutes, and he just thought, right, 20 minutes, okay. And he didn't think about, but what might they be interested in? How could I entertain them? What's yeah. important?
0: You know. He was, yeah, I'll have to I'm sorry. drop him a note sorry and say, you look, you need to speak to Julia Haythorn. Yeah. Not to be overly critical, but we first crossed paths with you when we did our podcast masterclass. Oh,
2: yeah, that's um, Which was
0: a lot of fun. And thank you for coming, by the way.
2: Yeah, we, oh, I loved um, it. It was really interesting. That's why I'm here now. Thank you. I am inspired you. by you.
0: You gave us some feedback. Yeah, you didn't the, ask for it, but I did no, offer it. I, we, we really do appreciate it because it's actually something, because since then I've done presentations at work okay. and your feedback has been in the back of my mind. Great. Um, part of your feedback, you told us, you know, that we, you know, whilst the energy was good and the, the, the synergy was good between us, that we moved around quite a bit and that we mm. should use stillness more. Can you give us some, uh, some of your thoughts about stillness when presenting and movement and posture and how important it is or... Can you let us know when it's not important and when you are doing mm. it too much?
2: Yeah, it's a it's a really important question, and it and it goes back to this importance of of filming yourself because it gives you that perspective. Because we don't always know what we are doing physically when we don't have that awareness, and and once you gain that awareness, it makes a really big difference. And what happens when people are adrenalized, which happens in front of an audience, they start doing things unconsciously. So, and, and that's due to the anxiety that comes about. So you might start without realising sort of fidgeting. So, you know, touching your hair, rubbing your arm, you know, crossing your arms across your body, standing on one leg. You know, I've seen that. I've seen someone conduct a whole presentation standing on one leg and, and they weren't aware of it. Or... What I seem to remember that the you chaps were doing, just shifting around a lot. So, like one leg and then the other, and then the other, so back and forward the whole time. And what that it's does, that thing. yes, yeah, <laughs> or maybe it is. But, but the <laughs> thing about it, it meant that your audience can't concentrate on you because all they can see is the movement. So it's it's a bit like a voice with a with a. A bee buzzing around. Mm. You can't hear the voice because of the battle back- some background noise. So that movement provides a background distraction. So I, th- I think that's what it's about, and it's the same for acting. So what a lot of inexperienced actors do, and and sometimes sometimes younger actors, is they move a lot on the stage because they want to be acting. So oh, I better move, and it shows that I'm here. But actually, if it's not deliberate. And if it doesn't mean anything, it's just a distraction and, and, it, and it has to be avoided. And it's difficult because sometimes I I say to my clients, you just, just stand still for this bit and then you can move, but stand still. And they just can't do it. Mm-hmm. They're jumping around and, and they don't even know they're doing it. Or they're going up on their toes and down again, up on their toes and down, uh, and then shifting around. So, yeah, I think if you can get that stillness, then it really sets you apart, actually. It gives you a bit of status and, and people will pay more attention to your message.
0: Okay. So basically, we need to relax. We need to relax. Yeah. Yeah. Just relax. Stop Just moving and, around, Chris. You're not rapping. Talk. It do-
2: but it doesn't mean you can't move. You're, you yeah. don't have to you know, nail your feet yeah, to the yeah. floor. You can move, but it should be deliberate yeah. because then it's powerful. And if you have a look at some of those TED Talks or look at Barack Obama or any of those great presenters, you'll see they do move. But there's nothing wasted, you know. It's yeah. it's del- all deliberate movement,
1: yeah. So, not so long ago, you mentioned about moving the crowd or moving people. Mm. Inadvertently, you almost referenced one of the greatest rappers of all time, Rakim. I'm, I'm, I'm getting emotional in now. In doing that. what's really interesting because it's one of the lyrics he says is about moving people, move the crowd. Mm. So it's very interesting that he talked about when knowing your audience and the... Uh, when you try when you're doing public speaking and you're up in front of people you want to move them whether it's to entertain you know whether it's to teach them educate mm. them so that's very important and I don't know if you wouldn't have realized you did that but that just a little nice little oh. hip hop nugget um but knowing your audience as a public speaker what's the best way or what are the best ways to to get you to get to know your audience before or during Um, you know your your presentation and how would you tailor your approach to to said audience on the fly Mm.
2: well sometimes you can get information if you're doing a a presentation in a business environment they might tell you you know you've got a room full of 50 nuclear physicists here or you've got um, you know a group of 50 nurses and so there's all so you know what's important to them you know what they're gonna be like. Or, or you might or you might be told you've got a group full of artists. So there's there are certain ways that you're gonna communicate with them differently depending on that. And and to make sure that what you say to them is relevant to them. And also you might find out what their level of expertise is, how knowledgeable they are on the subject. So there's lots of questions you can ask about your audience beforehand. However sometimes you know, you can make assumptions that aren't correct. You know, I remember once um, I turned up to a training course, I hadn't really been very well briefed. And in as I was sort of introducing myself, it became apparent that they were all trainers as well as me. And so I started to get a bit sort of hot and cold and sweaty and think, oh my goodness, they're going to find me out. You know, I had all those insecurities that we all get. They're going to realise that, you know, maybe I, maybe they know more than me. But of course, although they were trainers... And they trained in other subjects. That didn't mean they were experts on public speaking. And, and that was mm. why they were there, because they wanted to improve their training skills. But once I knew that, it was fine. But it would have been useful to have had that information beforehand. So there is something about preparing. Um, then also, sometimes you can realise you're losing the crowd. <laughs> you know the, So what you, the assumptions you may have made aren't correct. Mm. And that this isn't relevant to them. And, and you can see that. I mean if it's an interactive they'll they'll tell you you would hope there could be clues in some of the questions you can just see you're not getting their attention And, and then it's just about right I need to try something new so i'll I might ask them some questions to, to discover that's that is the only real way that you're going to find out. You can make all the guesses in the world, but ask them a question and then you'll find out what's really important to them and then you can make make sure that you focus on that uh i mean one thing i do and if it if it is an event or a course, I always try and talk to them beforehand, you know, out of character, if you like, yeah. before it begins, before you are in front of the audience. And even in a really big conference, I would always try and walk around and chat to a few people because that helps my nerves as well. Because yeah. then when I'm up there, there's a few friendly faces in the audience. They know me. And, and that's, that's really important. Whereas sometimes the anxiety can make people hide. <laughs> so I was coaching someone today who, who told me that she just waits until the last minute because she's so nervous and then she kind of pops out. But in fact, it's, it would have been much better for her to get out amongst it because then the, instead of being this big mass of scary people, they're individuals who they can, you know, that you can then relate to. So,
0: Can I drop another hip hop nugget? Is that OK? Mm, yeah, I'm loving so, the nuggets. Um, one of our favourite MCs, God, God bless him, Guru from Gangstar. Um, in 94, he dropped an album called Hard to Earn and one of the songs on it was called Mostly the Voice. So in hip hop, we have this thing about voices mm. and how when it comes to moving the crowd, having a distinct and unique voice is really important. so if we look at some of the greatest people in our culture, you have your Biggie Smalls, um, your Tupac, your Big Pun. Method Man. Who else? Yeah. Method Man has a has a great voice. Dre. Dre. Someone like a freeway, very unique voice and very uh, unique flow. What
2: is it about their voices when you so say unique?
0: Voice? It's unique in the sense, that I think the words that you know, nobody sounds like them. Okay. Um, and it's not just their vocal tone but it's also about the, the choice, of, choice of words okay, as well. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, the pockets that they find in the beat. So, you know, do they leave space? Um, the kind of flow, the rhythm. And it's just really, it's just how, you, how they use their voices mm. and instruments to mm. kind of cut through the track. And um, you can always tell when other artists use their voices on their tracks. Mm. So Prodigy from Mob Deep, probably one of the most sampled voices in the culture. And I just think it's about sounding, it's about being yourself as well. Because in hip hop, we have this thing about no biting. You don't copy anyone else. Mm. So voices are really, really important. And it's really, I think it's, this is the part where I say I hate my voice. On oh, record.
2: well, do you know what? If I had a pound for everyone that told me they hated their voice. I hate it. I could pay for your wedding.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But no, but I, <laughs> Seriously, I, actually, I could. I actually hate it because I grew up, I like, uh, you know, voices like Black Rob and those kind of really gruff. Type, but I'm not a graph type of dude. But anyway, I'm but, rambling. But,
2: but I think that's really interesting about hating your voice because when I first started this work and started recording people, now I knew that I hated my voice, hated hearing it cringed a bit and thought, oh, who's that? sounds a bit posh sound, doesn't sound like me oh I don't really like that and then when I started recording other people everyone says it I really every single yeah. person yeah. says oh I hate my voice and I think what they mean is I don't recognise my voice because it sounds different to how it sounds in our
0: yeah. ears I sound way cooler in the shower exactly yeah, always cooler. put some always. compression on my voice it's yeah. an absolute miss. EQ, reverb yeah, all of that
2: but I, but I really relate to what you're saying about the authenticity so they each have their own voice and I think that's really important so when I'm working that was going to be
0: my, my question right why is it important? Yeah,
2: well, because if you try and pretend to be something you're not, then that's really hard. It's really difficult. And it's difficult for you to be truly relaxed and authentic. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't certain skills that work better. So it works better to speak slowly. It really works better. I like at the pockets to pause. I would say you've got to pause. You've got to use silence. So it's just like stillness. Mm-hmm. Stillness goes hand in hand with silence. So speakers that have the courage and the authority just to allow a short pause it makes such a difference so you know i i, th- I think that that's that's really important as well but that you know that sense of, of of being you is what will allow you to be um to have that impact and if you try to pretend to be someone else it's it doesn't work
1: in my opinion we're going to talk about tips i want to get some tips and you kind of touched upon it when talking about the story of you speaking in front of trainers but mm. it was very interesting to hear you talk about that because it kind of reminded me of comedians mm. and the way, and the ability that when they stand up in front of a crowd that they have to notice when, A, they've lost the crowd, when they're bombing, they go pull one out of the bag. Yeah. And you think about some of the, the best comedians that have ever graced a stage, they also can be very good public speakers mm. and not, right? So mm-hmm. someone like Jerry Seinfeld doesn't like public speaking, but someone like Dave Chappelle is excellent or Richard Pryor or mm. Eddie Murphy mm. would be great at that. But it just... it. It's very interesting to hear you talk about how within the moment you've got to find a way to go, right, I'm losing this person here or I've said the wrong thing here, how do I call them back? And that's an art in itself that comedians that, you know, we could talk about artists, we could talk about politicians, but comedians have that way of moving the crowd either in a good way or a bad way.
0: It's reminding me of something you told me a few years ago, Summit. What did I say? It's because you, you were listening to some of my new music and you were like, Chris, you've got to let it breathe sometimes. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're really wordy and dense, which is fine because that's you, but you said you've you got to let it breathe sometime and I never forgot that.
1: Really? Yeah, never forgot yeah, that. Because I, I, you have, your rhyming style is indicative of your influence, right? Your influence is on who you listen to. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And that's always going to be part of almost your rapping DNA. But then also you have your own voice DNA. It's unique to you. Let it breathe a little bit. People will be able to digest it more.
2: And And that is what I tell my clients all the time. And because what happens is, people make a speech or give a presentation and it's just words 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 and there's no space and because and it's because they fear the silence mm-hmm. actually that's from what i've having spoken to people and having experienced it myself they fear the silence they think i need to feel that slightly awkward silence but of course it's not awkward because it's completely different when you're in front of an audience because the silence is actually for them process so they're processing the breathing as you describe is allowing it to happen and if you speak through that processing time then they can't process and then you'll lose them and so it's it's really important and it, and it does definitely go with the you know with the stillness
1: that's a that's a good tip are there any other tips for mm. for those who kind of want to improve their presentation skills or is it a generic thing because they each there are Individual cases, as it all, but yeah. there might be some kind of generic things that people could do. You talked about rehearsal. Yeah, definitely um, rehearse. Pausing rehearse, pausing, rehearse, pausing rehearse is rehearse. important in, in presentations. I have a problem, or one I'm working on. One of, of your uh, many
0: problems. Yes,
1: it's very true. <laughs> <laughs> Speak to my wife, there's a litany of problems. But it's um, knowing that the silence in a conversation is okay. So I've always had a huge problem with that for whatever reason whether it's I'm not you comfortable don't like, you don't like silence I like the silence when I'm on my own okay sometimes <laughs> <laughs> or with you Chris um but it's it's knowing that actually it's okay to be mm. silent something I'm learning as I get older uh obviously more mature emotionally to go it's okay and it's it's a conscious effort to go don't say anything
2: and what happens when you allow there to be silence sometimes
1: it's actually easier because i think it gives me time to think Mm -hmm. right and also it doesn't come across as rude right i think because some people sorry chris
0: i was going to say though in in the last few years when i have conversations with people so it could be professional it could be personal but particularly in my personal relationships a lot of my conversations is space Mm. because i'm listening Mm. i'm listening to that person but sometimes people feel that the conversation isn't flowing because they're like why aren't you saying anything and I'm like because I'm listening to because I now see conversations like stories Mm. and I just feel I learn more and I'm more empowered when I listen to people because then once you've told me what you think I can be like okay well I think this or I agree with this I agree with that part I don't see your point I don't agree with your point on that part but what you mentioned before about fear of silence Mm. I do think that's kind of bled into our everyday lives that people hate silence in general. Well,
2: we're, I suppose we're brought up, aren't we, to to see silence in a conversation as potentially awkward and then we're brought up to fill it by talking about the weather, obviously, or any other subject that, that will fill that silence. Mm-hmm. But that's not what public speaking and, and presenting in that way is about because it's not an awkward conversation. It's you having a conversation with the audience, I suppose. But also what you've described there you know, learning to listen at a much deeper level. I work with a lot of people with that because it's a big problem in businesses that people just don't listen to each other. So the question I always ask is, are you listening or are you just waiting to speak?
1: Mm. So there was... um... That's a big
2: difference...
1: It is. i was listening to a podcast from the harvard business review where someone basically said the exact same thing that mm. when we have a conversation with someone i remember this we are just basically where so when someone goes how was your weekend mm. it's really an invitation for me to tell you how my weekend was not to really ask <laughs> you how your weekend was mm. it's basically a conversation with yourself mm. and
0: something about they were like when someone starts a conversation with you they're like 15 minutes ahead yeah in their own mind mm. Uh, with the conversation so you're it's, having. A, so it's is really
1: a, really interesting there's a psychological aspect to exactly what you're saying where people really just want to have a conversation with them and themselves and this
2: links back to something you were talking about before what I would call about being present if you're not fully present with another person and you're present with them by just really listening not anticipating not imagining not mind reading but actually just being present with them and listening to them giving them space and and by By doing that, it allows, like you say, them to really feel listened to. And this is what really great presenters and comedians do. So what you were describing, you know, how do they know how to interact with the audience? It's because they're completely present. They're not in their head thinking, oh, how am I doing? Oh, am I good? Am I being funny? Because as soon as you go there then you're lost yeah. and I know that as a as an actor if you start thinking oh I did that line well I got a good laugh there then you just forget the next line or, or it just becomes really awkward so you, it's about just allowing to be in the flow to be in the zone or whatever you want to call it yeah. and as musicians have actors comedians and really great public speakers
1: Chris do we have uh, some fun questions that you wanted to roll out or I mean I
0: have the questions here um would you like to ask some fun questions? Yeah. So we can get our audience to know you okay. a bit better. Right. This is this is I'm my only, now. Okay. This is my only contribution to the I show. i don't have to put on a
2: funny hat.
1: <laughs> no, you're fine. No. You're absolutely no, you're fine. Chris right. wears a dunce hat. That's that's the <laughs> only funny hat we have. That is here.
0: so rude. Question number one mm-hmm. What is your favourite condiment?
2: Black pepper. Black pepper. Does that that's... count as a condiment? Yeah,
0: I yeah. think so. I've never heard anyone say black pepper. Oh.
1: O- on this uh, show it's a condiment, it's fine.
0: Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> black pepper. I put black pepper on my eggs. Mm. Yeah, Black Pepper's good. I was going to say, who's your favourite rapper? Yeah. favorite singer? Uh, no, got one. Scrap those questions. <laughs> got one.
2: No, I, I'm only pausing because, um,
0: you this know, really the
2: stuff I, I love, I'm sure that might not be... Because I'm kind of really into show music That's and fine. theatrical you, stuff. Well, and, our listeners
0: need to learn about you this know, stuff.
2: And so um, so I, I just sort of love anyone who can just deliver a really brilliant song. So, like... From the back in the day, someone like Judy Garland, yes. mm-hmm. Liza, mm-hmm. her daughter Liza Minnelli, you know people that can really sing a song. Ella Fitzgerald is one of my absolute, my absolute heroine. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would love to listen to Ella all day. Okay.
0: So, considering your uh, actor background, yes, what's your favorite film or theatre production?
2: Hmm, it's oh, so many amazing films. I often come out with The Shawshank Redemption and I've I know it's a little bit oh, have you haven't seen it no. oh my goodness you've got to absolutely,
1: see it Red I'm absolutely trash you've got you have to see it I don't they're, get the reference it's Fred you'll see it when you, when you watch the movie you'll get it
2: and there is a, there is a bit of a twist in it which we, obviously we're not going to reveal because it would be a really terrible thing to do on a podcast because <laughs> Chris hasn't seen it spoiler alert but, but what I love about it it's a brilliant story but really brilliant acting and just and it's long it's a long film but just completely compelling remind me who acts Morgan Tim, yeah sorry Tim Robbins and...
1: Uh, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman.
2: And his voice, talking of voices. Yes, What him. a voice. And he does the voiceover. He's the narrator.
1: OK, and I'm sold.
2: He, oh, it's just wonderful. It's I'm an sold. excellent... It, yeah. it
1: genuinely is in, in the vein of, you know, The Godfather 2 and yeah. those kind of great And movies. you can watch it over and over you again. You can absolutely watch yeah. it over and over again.
0: OK. Julia, what is your favourite drink?
2: It would be a toss-up between a red wine... Or a gin and tonic.
0: Okay, gin and tonic. I had a gin and tonic for the first time about two months ago. Mm. It was alright. I prefer Ribena, personally. <laughs> um, but you,
2: maybe you didn't have you got a lot of lime with it,
0: fresh lime. Lime? I don't recall having lime. Yeah, I know. Then okay. it wasn't a proper gin and tonic. I don't even drink and I know you need that. Yeah. That might be yeah. the wave. What is your favourite holiday destination? It could be some somewhere you've been already mm. or it could be somewhere you'd like to go.
2: I would really love to go to South America and I'm really hoping that we're going to go uh, this year. And but I am going to New York this year, okay. which is lovely, which is very lucky. So You yeah. seem to love New York. Yeah, well, I I I am drawn to New York. I have many connections there. I lived there for a few months and it's it's hard not to keep going back there. But then I always think but there's so many other places in the world that I want to see. So this is why I was thinking South America next. So
0: what's your favourite part of New York?
2: I I always stay in the West Village. That's part of Greenwich Village mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because I have a friend there. But when I lived there, I, I also loved that area. What I love about it is just you walk around and you think you're in a film you just every corner you turn you're in a tv series or a film yeah. and and it's just you know from the days where, where in the 70s when i was watching starsky and hutch you know now i'm walking the streets where starsky and hutch were even back to then you know and right up to the present day and sex in and the city and, then, and now whenever i see a film and it's new york i go oh i've got to go back to new york so it's a great city yeah
0: what was your favorite subject at school english why
2: I just really loved reading books. I loved drama and plays even then. So even though I hadn't really thought about, you know, becoming a professional actor at that point, I loved any chance to do any acting. So reading plays and things. And I liked talking about them as well. And that was always the chance that there'd be a bit of, you know, learning a poem and performing it. So I guess I quite liked performing then
0: as well. Gotcha. Mm. You seem to have a question. You have your hand raised like you're in a classroom. Speaking
1: of plays, favourite play?
2: Oh, so many. I should have had a think about that because it's a... Well, the favourite play I've been in, Mm -hmm. out out of... I'll I'll tell you two, there's two really different ones. So um, I love... Twelfth Night which is a you know by, by Shakespeare and I, I played uh, the lead in that Violet, which was a brilliant part and there's twins and there's mistaken identities and there's girls dressing as boys and all of the things and there's a, f- yeah. a fool playing an illusion all that everything you would expect of a Shakespearean comedy and 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 also very sad and poignant so that's lovely but then once I was in this brilliant play once in Hamburg so it's the English theatre of Hamburg <laughs> and um it was called I'll be back before midnight exclamation mark I think you'd like it cuz you like a murder mystery. Yeah, I do I definitely. And I ended up um I was shot at the end of the first act and then my body was buried and then during the second half my dead body is buried uh, dug up from the garden and hung from the ceiling. So there's a big reveal where the, the character sort of rips open this door and my body is hanging from the ceiling. So there was a lot of fun <laughs> and it was great, you know, to be in Hamburg for 3 months. Yeah, no, that's nice. <laughs> so that's it has affected my liking of that play, I think.
0: Yeah. What was your first job? actually this
2: is funny i was selling um well replacement doors and windows they called it double glazing so i got a job standing in the back of home base yeah i was one of those people with a little stand stopping people as they came through this till and asking them are you interested in replacement doors and windows um and i was getting paid a very little amount but then you got commission on if you if you made appointments if you made a sale then you got even more but it was really, really boring. And people were mainly really horrible to you. And, and the manager tried to catch me out once because, you know, I didn't ask him. And I said, well, I thought you worked too. He said, well, I do. I said, well, I'm not going to ask you for Donald Glade. <laughs> but then one time I thought, well, I must ask everyone. And this guy came out quite quickly. But I thought, no. So I sort of tried to stop him. He just barged past me, followed by about five or six shops shop workers and it turned out he was a shoplifter and so I'd stopped and asked him if he was interested in replacement doors and windows That's hilarious. Um, and he was chased into the car park so you know you were slowing we him down yeah exactly
1: <laughs> but doing a duty as I was yeah, I,
2: I asked him though if he wanted those windows so
0: I have one more question mm. to ask you when you were warming up on the microphone before you said a quote mm-hmm. can you repeat that quote and let our listeners know who said it because I just thought it was awesome I didn't understand what you were saying but it sounded good
2: the quality of mercy is not strained it droppeth as a gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath so that is from the Merchant of Venice
1: droppeth would have been of his
0: any any word that ends in F yes it's a serious word exactly
2: exactly but the brilliant thing about it's a really famous quotation because it's Portia's plea uh, my character's Portia and she's pleading for mercy um on on behalf of this uh, character in it so the whole speech is about the quality what is mercy mm. and uh, so she and she manages to you know, persuade everyone that they must be merciful
0: do you do
1: voice over work
2: i have done some yeah yeah
1: have have you read the merchant of venice chris no my mind is blown you should read it yeah what is mercy? You should read that. in Why are you trying like out smi- you yeah. like you're smarter than me, dude? I did English.
0: Look, he, he I did English about too! He, he knew about I,
1: Shylock. D- degree level, I did d- English. Did me. you oh, do d- English degree? Yeah. Me. So did I. That's one so of I my remember. biggest regrets, <laughs> that I didn't do English at I, degree level. I, it, yeah. it, doing English at degree level was excellent because one, I had a group of friends that are still my friends and will be for life, but also opened me up to... So part of it was philosophy, mm-hmm. Shakespeare... Mm-hmm. I did teaching Shakespeare. I went into a East London school for six months and taught King Lear wow. to a bunch of nine-year-olds. Good on you, man. It was excellent. But Shylock is Draper. That's, there's Draper. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. that's just a running joke. On joke. The podcast. He's... <laughs> <laughs> when you When you see... Um, Al, look, watch the movie. Al Pacino's in it.
2: Oh yeah, that's a good movie. Merchant of it. Venice. All right, Merchant I'll check it, it out. Yeah.
1: So look, Othello is great. Mm. Love. Fourth Night is love, great. Love Midsummer Night's Dream is excellent. Merchant of Venice is, is really good. What is?
2: Mercy? Romeo and Juliet is is a is a great one. I mean, it's done. In, the ones that are done in schools are generally the ones that are really brilliant stories. Yeah. So Romeo and Juliet and Midsummer Night's Dream. I mean that that might be one of my favourite ones. Yeah. Macbeth just,
1: is heavy. Oh, Macbeth. Love Macbeth. Yeah. Watch the movie. I love Macbeth. The old is it black and white movie? Um, Olivier.
2: Well, there's an Ian McKellen. And there's an McBeth. Ian McKellen. This might sound well, really and
0: basic. But I really enjoy uh, much ado about nothing. Oh yeah, yeah. yep, the love, film? Um the book.
2: Oh the book, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did lovely. that for
0: English literature A level. Very nice. I really enjoyed that. That was good.
1: No, Eng- Eng- I got exposed to that like, Nietzsche and philosophy and things. That I was. So we've got
0: English. We've got English people in the room. Yeah, yeah. as in like. I mean, English. like English
1: people. Yeah. 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 Brexit means Brexit. You yeah, know? Brexit <laughs> <know>? Brexit <laughs> means that. English means English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Julia, it's been great yeah. speaking to you today. Oh, it's been and I really, I, said, here. I we really appreciate you coming down. Um, before we wrap up, could you let our listeners know where they can find you online or on social media?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so,
0: you're on LinkedIn, aren't you?
2: I am on LinkedIn. So that just, might be the best place yeah, to find me. Just, I, I'm, only, I'm only hesitating because, you know, because you guys are so all over social media and it makes me feel a little bit inadequate because I'm not particularly. So I don't, I'm not on Twitter. You found well, key I am to, on it, but I don't really tweet. You found a so key, key to life. You found a key to life. But I'm working on it. So smart you know, people can find you on LinkedIn. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. You've heard the name. LinkedIn, um, sure. You've
0: heard the job title and you've heard the adventure. So, you know, if you really want to get in touch with Julia, do your Googles yeah do your google do your googles
1: absolutely it's been That's awesome pleasure pleasure absolute pleasure are you going to
0: wrap us up or should i do it oh you want me to do it are oh, you want to give me work now okay <laughs> ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages dogs cats people with jobs and people without jobs this is the end of the breaking atoms podcast and as always you can find us on the socials and on these mean online streets on facebook twitter instagram I was going to say LinkedIn, but we're not on LinkedIn. And yeah, just reach out to us. Let us know what you like. And if you've heard an episode that you think could add some value to the life of a loved one or a friend, please share it and let us know. And we'll shout you out on the show. Until next time.